It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 27th day of April 2017. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser. And uh, today we have uh, James Cripps and uh, Ray Cobbs with us. And we're going to do some talking here about how they've helped some men down there, veterans down in Tennessee, uh, at the U.S. Veterans Alliance. And uh, how are you guys doing? That sounds like you had a real success. I'm going to let Ray comment on that. He set that whole deal up, and and it was just tremendous. We did. We we had a great day. Uh, We start out, and and we try to bring every group that can help a veteran into one room, one large gym. And then we have our guest speakers, but at the same time, those same groups are set up around the table or around the room with tables so that during our break period, veterans can go and talk to the different groups like the VFW American Legion was there, uh, DAV was there, uh, our county service officer was there, Congressman Vigilay's office was there. We even had a funeral, local funeral home there to talk about burial rights. Uh, the regional claims division out of our Nashville office was there to take and follow up on claims, which James is going to be able to give us some exciting news on that on one of his members there in Ashland City. Uh, and our guest speaker for the day was uh, retired Captain Bill Robinson. Uh, Bill was the longest enlisted man prisoner of war in Vietnam, seven and a half years. And he was there and spoke and uh, he spoke twice. He spoke to the veterans that day at a luncheon, and then that evening he spoke to the public. We had over 100 people uh, in our sanctuary that night at the church that came in to hear his story about what he went through in Vietnam. So we got uh, we had, uh, I think it was 70, 68, 68 veterans there, uh, 35 spouses came with them. We uh, had 24 that actually followed up on claims that were in existence and found where they were and if they needed additional elements, and we had four who actually turned in new claims. So it was a great a great day. I'd say it was. My God, y'all, you guys ought to pat yourself on the back. You've done one heck of a job there. Can't uh, reach there anymore. <laughs> well, I know. They got these back scratchers. If you hold them just right, you can walk yourself. <laughs> well, I call it aid and attendance, and I, I apply for that. So my wife oh, can pat me on the back. Uh, that's a good idea there. Let me tell you, this Mr. Bill Robertson, the longest held POW enlisted man uh, in history. Uh, we... Actually, uh, the USVA members, 16 of us that were there, we actually tortured him about as bad, I think, as the North Vietnamese did. 
we kept him up late. We wouldn't let him go to bed. We were kind of letting him expand on uh, his experience in, in his prisoner of war in Vietnam. And we were kind of, you start out kind of um, sympathetic, um, you know, trying to, uh, it's been many years since he was released, but we were trying to, I don't know, uh, befriend him, uh, understand his situation and, and, and his PTSD and his depression and, and his and I, I just looked him in the eye and outright, outright asked him. I said, "Bill, when you when you when you were released and you, and you integrated back into society, were you depressed? Did you have PTSD? Were you angry?" He said, "No, not at all." He said, "Those of us that were there so long, that was our daily routine. We grew." into that way of life, we knew what was coming the next day, more of what we had today, and more of what we had the day before. It was natural for us. It became our way of life. He said, now the guys that really had it rough are the ones that were captured and only spent maybe 400 days because they hadn't got used to it yet. And he said, those are the guys that came home a nervous wreck and PTSD and depressed. And uh, He said, you move on. You get over it. You move on. You live your life. Uh, well, you know, he, no one, he went through hell. But he was able no, to yeah, yeah. adjust to it. Uh, and I, I can share, I, I would understand his, uh, his, the point he's trying to make uh, although it's a sad one, but it's one he had to make in order for survival, I guess. Yeah, we had one of our members there that, that has PTSD pretty bad, uh, and he commenced to telling Bill how he was going to commit suicide someday. And Bill actually sat him down and canceled him. I, it, it was just amazing. Uh, and finally, we uh, come to the conclusion that if Bill lived through what he was put through and he was planning on living out the rest of his life as comfortable as he could be, then we can all do that. I agree, yeah. You know, with proper counseling, uh, Jim, I... I can't help but feel the suicide rate right now amongst the veterans would drop drastically. They're just not getting proper counseling. And uh, you know, you know what would be one of the best ideas that that I could ever think of. VA needs to have PTSD diagnosed veterans counseling. PTSD veterans, somebody that's gone through it, knows what you're talking about, and he's real. And can uh, help guide them in the right direction instead of letting their minds get all distorted and confused. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And uh, what, what this guy says... Uh, Sure makes sense. 
You know, James is correct about that. I know here at the Island Sea York uh, Medical Center, uh, where a lot of our PTSD and where we have the psych ward and everything for veterans, the majority by far, I'm, from, from my knowledge, and I've been down there several times and met with folks and, and visited around with them, and um, I, to my knowledge, there is not a single veteran on that staff as a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor that actually served in Vietnam, Iraq, or Iran. And uh, there was one that had actually served in Vietnam, and they kept him there only six months, and then they moved him to Nashville, and uh, he lasted there about seven or eight months, and then the state jerked him up, and now he's working for the state of Tennessee uh, Social Security office, and his job is actually looking into unemployability uh, or disability for Vietnam veterans. So that's what he's doing now. So he didn't last very long in the VA system, but uh, they got him up and saw what good he could do, and he's now working in the Social Security side of it. Well, the VA made a terrible mistake because they should have kept him. Uh uh, you know, how well he was received. I'd sure like to hear his story of dealing with the B.A. Uh, because they got their own way of thinking, and and uh, the B.A. come along and start telling you this and that and something other, and you know better because uh, you've been there and done it. Uh, you know... <laughs> I don't know whether the VA treated him very well. I would like to hear that story. Well, uh, he and I talked about that just briefly when he told me uh, that he was leaving, and and uh, Doctor Condon said that that uh, they don't really know uh, what the veteran goes through. They just guess and they think they know. And uh, he said, "What what veterans go through is not written in any textbook." I, I I think that's right. It's not written anywhere. And there's different degrees of PTSD. I think we all know that. Uh, and I, I think having someone that's been there and done it helping these other veterans uh, with PTSD uh, and they made it through, and they've accepted the fact that they have PTSD, and they're going to have to learn to live with it. Uh, would be more beneficial uh, to the ones that uh, you got these idiots trying to tell them they know better. Uh, you know, you just can't. Tell someone, well, you ought to do this and you ought to do that when they haven't been through it and they don't know. You know, Gerald, I had a group, head up a group called United States Veterans Alliance. And Ray heads up a group, Veterans Helping Veterans, up in Winchester, Tennessee. The United States Veterans Alliance organization is about five years old now. And we started out with no 100% veterans. Last Friday, we just got our 27th 
percent win. Um, and they gave him uh, he they, he applied for unemployability a couple of years ago, but they awarded him a hundred percent permanent in total. Well, he called me. He was walking on air. Got a ten thousand dollar back pay check. Well, he came up to Ray's event, and uh, we were sitting there talking, and he said, I don't know about my unemployability. Uh, he said, I think I should have got a little more back pay. I applied for unemployability a long time ago. He said, I guess I just dismissed that. I said, well, why don't you go back there and talk to the VA claims agent uh, when break time comes and ask about it. I said, this is the time to do it. You're already here. She's here. So he got up break time and went back there and talked to her. And let me tell you, he come out of there really walking on air. He said, oh. she just told, she said, she just told me they also had considered my unemployability and I've got a check on the way for 47000 Oh, my land. <laughs> oh. Isn't that oh, great? To, to do that, uh, that that's good, you know. That's good to hear them kind of stories. Well, there were th- there were three of those guys. They were brothers. They were on the same ship, and one was over the other two. We've gotten a hundred percent for three of the two of the brothers and a brother-in-law uh, within the last six months. So we're and and we're on our working on our sixth vehicle grant. Ray's got a new vehicle. I've got a new vehicle. Uh, we're working on VR and E, uh, getting guys letters through VR and E that they're not employable anymore, which helps them. That's evidence towards their unemployability. Or we got more in the pipeline. We're working the ILP program. Uh, just finding out how it works and, and, and how to get the most out of it. Uh, if there's a difference between region and, and, and another region or if it's up to a counselor, we're working four different counselors now and comparing notes. Um, we're making a lot of progress. We're on a downhill pull. We pulled uphill for a long time. Now we're on a downhill pull. Well, you're doing good, and you're learning more of the proper moves to make, and you're not wasting your time. Uh, that's the problem with so many of these claims. Uh, so much t- precious time is wasted uh, doing things probably uh, you shouldn't be doing and not doing the things you should be doing. Uh, I think that's really a problem, and you're you're learning the right moves to make, and that's important. Well, well James learning, has, to, has to take that credit for that, because James has led me and given me a lot of good directions, and I go and look up what he tells me, and, and we find out the direction to go, and it's helped me in my claims. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I had a, a Marine today that I spoke with on the phone for more than an hour, and talking to him about his claims, and he's just completely and totally messed up. And uh, uh, I told him, I said, well, we may have to just drop your existing claim and file a new one and start over because our county service officer and and some of the others, um, 
he went down after hearing our conference the other day and talked to the county service officer, and he had heard me where I used the term TCB, taking care of business, and it's your business, and you got to take care of it, and you got to research it out, and you got to find out what your problem is and what the codes say that you have and, and what your rating is, should be, and all of this. And so he told me that he went down immediately the next day. We had the conference on Tuesday. He went down on Wednesday to our county service officer. And I told him that in some cases where it's not an assumption that you may have to get as many as two or three different doctor's letters to confirm your your diagnosis. And the county service officer says, oh, no, you never need more than one. Oh, so, boy. <laughs> I started to say James can confirm he has he has sent two or three of his guys down here to a doctor that that is willing to work with veterans and write letters for veterans, and all uh, all three of them I think have won their cases, haven't they, James? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That doctor uh, is very veteran friendly, and we ask him for a level playing field, giving no preference to anybody. Uh, at the same time protecting his reputation, but he don't mind writing a letter about what he finds in his progress note. And those kind of doctors are hard to find. He understands the proper proper format, uh, and that makes it real easy when working with the uh, the regional office. Ray had some questions last week. He called me. And we discussed them, and we looked up the Code of Federal Regulations, and we looked up the U.S. Code, and we looked up M21. And we knew that we were exactly right. We went to a lot of trouble to make sure. Well, Ray confronted a U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs counselor on one of the issues, and she told him he was wrong. And he went toe-to-toe with her, and he won <laughs> yeah, I was so, going to go to, to her. There was another counselor sitting beside her overhearing our conversation. And all of a sudden, she says, Miss Gardner, you need to look at this. And so Miss Gardner slid her chair over to her computer and she starts pointing things out and pointing things out. And and, and it was exactly the way James had, had said it should be and the way we looked it up. And uh, finally, uh, the lady took a note and she said, "You need to respond on that 4138 that they requested. That you are asking for a drop foot of the left foot. You already have it on the right foot, and therefore you are expecting an O or at least an R1 rating." So she said, "You put that on the 4138 and it'll be okay." Then she looked at me. She said. You know, in all my years, this is the first O I've ever had to deal with. Huh. So I'm trying uh, to tell Ray we have got to teach the VA. They've never been that far. You know, we're pushing the envelope. Uh, they just don't deal with O ratings and R one uh eight attendance every day. When you get when you when you get out there that far they just don't know. They're at the end of their knowledge. Well, it's not the fact that the veterans—it's not the fact the veterans don't qualify. 
the veterans themselves don't know that they're entitled to more. I cannot tell you, and James can verify it, and you probably can too, that they are told by county service officers and folks that once you reach 100%, there's nowhere else you can go. There's nothing else you can get. And yeah, I think and all if you say anything, you're going to lose your 100%. They'll yeah. cut your benefits if you try to go more than 100. That's what you hear. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's what you, they do try to instill on you. You guys uh, want to play a game? Next time you see a rep from the Legion or the DAV or the MOP or the Vietnam Veterans Association or county service officer, somebody, somebody they haven't talked to before, ask them if they know what uh, special monthly compensation OLR2, ask them if they know what that means. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get a lot. Of, you're going to get a whole lot of no's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what Ray was trying to get across to this person is if he has an L for aid and attendance, and he acquires another L for loss of two extremities, then he automatically goes to the old rate, and his aid and attendance instead of regular aid and attendance becomes R one. And they just couldn't buy that. Uh, but I, I'm sorry. That's the way it is. I can read Code of Federal, Federal Regulations and uh, U.S. Code 1114 just as good as they can. I think mine says the same thing there as camps can. Yeah, matter, matter of fact, the interesting part, what it states when you go to that, it says your aid and attendance goes to the next level. So if you're a standard aid and attendance, it goes to R1. If you're R1, it goes to R2. So well, it's, no, the way it reads, we'll disagree, it goes we'll to the next there. You can't get R2 unless you have to hire professional help on a daily basis, generally 24 mm-hmm. hours a day. Yeah. And, that, and those, those, that help also has to be a licensed uh, medical caregiver. Right. It's got to be licensed. Uh, and well, you know, Ray doesn't do anything doesn't want or two. If it ever, it, it's it's not. Uh, you you could actually send your wife through a training program even online and learn to be a medical assistant, and she would qualify because of a, yes. a, a relative is not barred from doing that if they're licensed. That's correct. Uh, I don't ever want to get that far. I start to say I don't want to be there either, but uh, if that's the case, nope. you know, that, I mean, that's the way it reads. But the difference between R1 and R2 is another $1,000 a month. Uh, for $1,000 a month and a stranger sure. taking care of me, I think my wife could go through a course and become a... Uh, and a, a medical assistant, get a license. Uh, I would consider that if the time ever came. Like I say, I don't want that time to come. I'll be satisfied with my R1. Wouldn't that be like a license that you uh, they have to have uh, to work in a nursing home or something like that? Yeah, it would be the same thing, Gerald, or even well, an LPN. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and the thing about it is, they've got Chapter 35 benefits to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, yeah, that's not a hard license to get. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, I mean, you know, it requires a little studying, but, uh, you know, it's not like going to be an RN or LPN. That's, um, well, now, well, now think about it this way, Gerald. They have Chapter 35 <laughs> benefits I watch. <laughs> they'll pay for their schooling, and they'll pay them so much a month to go to school. And yeah. then our benefits, $1,000 a month, bumping a check. You know, you gotta you got to realize a good deal when you see one. Well, yeah. And I'm uh, sure I know in my case, and the same as James, I know our wives would rather do that than to have someone come into their house and take care of their husband. I think that would mean a lot more to both of our wives than having someone to come in and have to take care of us. But let's hope we never get to that point. But one thing I've always, for years, try to be one step ahead and know what you're going to do, uh, regardless, not just in VA, but anything else that you are are associated or interested in or dealing with. You know, it's a possibility, and you know... uh, uh, what the proper course of action to take should it become necessary. So that's important. Well, it's it, it's been a long road. Uh, I've been involved in in, in my claim since uh, two thousand and two thousand since two thousand. No, earlier than that, 98, 1998. Um, the counselor told me yesterday, you're just going to have to be patient. Uh, yeah. I said, you know, VA taught me patience many years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not starving now. I'm not, uh, I can go to Walmart and buy something off the shelf and I can put tags on my vehicles. Uh, and I can afford homeowners on my on my home, which at one time I couldn't. I, I'm doing just fine. Yeah. Uh, but I'm breaking uh, down barriers uh, and and pulling other veterans through the same hole. Well, that's a good deal. You know, there, there's something that happened today that, and I don't know if James has caught the news today about it or not yet, but. There's something that James and I have talked about several times over the last year or more, and that's accountability, uh, that the VA has no accountability. Well, the president announced today that he's opening an office immediately in the VA for accountability and to protect whistleblowers and to find out why more hasn't been done about speeding up the care of uh, veterans in the medical system. So that was just announced this morning, I think, around 9 o'clock our time, 10 o'clock Eastern time. But there's, uh, he's actually already appointed someone to head it up. Uh, that's the first step, and that's a good step. Uh, we, you, know, we've, uh, you know, a month or so ago, I had a nurse that, that answered one of these questionnaires that they're supposed to answer, never asked me the questions, filled in the blanks and got it wrong, and then put it in my medical record, said that, that I had no problem getting around. I'm wearing braces on both feet, riding a scooter, blind in the left eye, and she said I had no problems. That don't uh, make sense. 
I've seen some of them in my life. They must sit her around from one area to another. You know, I got in. I got in. Check something right here. I went in yesterday to see the the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs representative, and she looked up my claim. I just wanted to know where I stood. And then within an hour, Ray went in to check on his, and she accused us of having exactly the same claims. (laughs) Well, exactly the same thing happened to us. We were both exposed to Agent Orange. What's the problem, lady? (laughs) Uh, We both have drop foot. You know, I have drop foot. He has has, uh, a drop foot in one and a hand, loss of use of hand in another. Those aren't the same claims. (laughs) <laughs> oh, the only boy. thing that makes them the same is the fact that we both have loss of two items. That's the only thing that's the same about them. Well, she did finally admit this is the first time she's ever worked O awards, and that's what yeah. we're seeking. Uh, there's not many of them that's ever come in, never dealt with with a with a with an O and an R one. Um, much anything past the nail. And they, I'll tell you what, what was the kicker. As a veteran service officer, most of them, 90% of them, don't know that when a veteran wins eight attendance, that he's actually an L. They don't know he went from 100% to an L. Have no idea. Ah. Uh. Well, keep learning, guys. This is good helpful information there. Uh, well, you, you know, got to know. You got to know that when you get to 100%, you just crossed over the threshold in the special monthly compensation range. And then you got an L, an L and a half, N, N and a half, uh, M, M, M and a half. You got the O, you got the R, R ratings. Um, you know, in the United States Code, instead of being like the Code of Federal Regulations, 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, if you look those up in the United States Code, which is what Congress laid down, they are an A award, B award, C award, D award. J is a 100%. Then you go to K and an L and an M and an N and an O uh, and a T and an R1 and an R2 and an S. You know, you just there's there's more after 100% than there is before 100%. But nobody... Uh, Pursues it that far. Most most guys don't know it's even available. We're short on information. Yes, we are. Schooling. Need proper schooling. Yep. <clears throat> what is it? Three three Ks or four Ks get you bumped to the next level? Uh, you, no, Mike, you can go in with a boatload full of Ks and you're not going to get bumped to the next level. No, that no, it's really bumping the level. 
No, yeah. it won't bump you to a, no, no amount of K's will bump you to the next level. Your K's quit when you reach the amount of the next level. Mm-hmm. In other words, you you can you can have an L and keep your K's until you until you exceed the amount of M, mm-hmm. uh, and that that's the end of your K's. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no amount of K's is going to get you to the next level. They're two completely different things. Uh, another hundred percent or fifty percent disability, in addition, uh, will get you a bump, a half step, or a full step. In other words, if you're in an L level. And you have another fifty percent disability that'll bump you up to hell and a half. Or if you have another hundred percent disability that's unrelated, can't be for the same thing, then you'll bump to you'll bump a hundred percent. But you can only do do that once in a claim. Uh, now Alex has gotten into that question, uh, Alex Graham. And he has come up with the idea that he don't see anything barring using it more than once. Uh, but I have found that where you can only use use that once. Uh, but you you can. I, I tell you what you're talk, probably talking about, John. When you get to an N, your gaze yeah. can push you to an O. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the only right circumstance. Right. Only if you're at an end rate. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what you're seeing there. If you if you've got uh an end and a couple of and a couple of K's you can go to an O. But that's the only circumstance. I look I look at it this way. The higher you go in the then the S and C chart, the more screwed up you're gonna be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> but you know, let, let me let me put it like this: If you don't know to apply, and you wait until after those conditions have overtaken your health, then yeah, you're totally screwed up by the time you get there. I started early. I'm at an M now, and I'm fixing to go to an O, uh, all it's going to do, and an R1. And I just came in the house. Uh, I was changing oil in my lower unit on my boat motor. Uh, you know, I'm not bad fast, and, and, and for all of my troubles... I'm thankful that I'm in pretty good shape. I can't do everything that I used to do. My wife has to do some things for me that I can't do. I just can't do them anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loss of use got that. My heart problems got the rest of it. If I take my time and I work smart instead of using physical labor like I used to, I can get a lot done. I think Ray will agree with that. Ray is a pretty active person for for his disabilities. That's what you do. You got to, you know, you use your head and 
do what you can do, you know, and try to try to invent ways to do things without having to put too much manual labor involved in it. You know, like for me, if you know, if I change my lower unit fluid out, biggest problem for me is I've bending over. I probably hit the ground, so I gotta I gotta get the boat up high and try to do it where I can do it, you know, standing up. But uh, but you know, it's just little inventions we all make to you know to uh, you know kind of take up uh, you know what our deficits are and try to go around them and do something different to get the same result. Uh, having no feeling in extremities is just, man, that's bad. I'll, it is bad. I'll look for my keys. I'll go through everywhere I think they might be looking at all the vehicles and they're in my pants pocket all all the time. I run my hand down in there and I just can't feel them. I don't know they're in there. Uh, you know, things like that, that you know, get aggravated. You know how I found out about my left side paralysis? How's that? My son my son shut the car door on my arm and didn't even know it. <laughs> I know the feeling. I've, two or three times I've said, boy, I'm sure glad I ain't got any feelings. I'll tell you what I did. <laughs> I, I moved my bulldozer. Yeah, I operate a bulldozer, too. also got a track loader and a dump truck. Uh and I had a 100-foot cable on the winch, and I backed over and then put a kink in it. So I had to cut about a foot of that cable off. I went in the shop and got a four-and-a-half-inch grinder and carried it out to the bulldozer. had an extension plugged in. And I was standing there with a grinder in one hand and an extension cord in the other hand, and I didn't have a third hand. So I put the grinder... I leaned that grinder up against my chest and wrapped my arm around it and used both hands to plug that extension cord in, and the grinder was on. <laughs> oh, oh, man. It eat my uh, chest up. It cut two fingers to the bone. Uh, that's like that's I was out in California a couple on. of years ago. Uh, I was out in California a couple of years ago, and it was the 5th of July, and I went with my grandkids and my son down to the beach. And we'd been down there two or three hours, and it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, time to go back home. And uh, we come out, and uh, we were in about the middle part of the parking lot, so I go walking across the pavement with no shoes on, carrying my sandals and, you know, your your lawn chair and all the other stuff that you have to pack down to go to the beach in California. And and uh, uh, my wife is standing there saying, Ray, you need to put your shoes on. Oh, that's okay. Need to put your shoes on. No, that's all right. I'll be fine. Get to the car. Get in the car. She says, how are your feet? I said, they're fine. She said, let me see. I lifted my foot, and I had third-degree burns on both feet oh. from the hot pavement and the tire. And I didn't have any feeling. It didn't hurt me at all. It made her sick just looking what at beach? it, but it didn't hurt me at all. What part of what, and uh, what beach did you uh, at? It, it, we were in uh, just south of uh, Newport Beach, California, and okay. uh, heading towards heading towards Seal Beach. That's cool. Yeah. And yeah. so we, uh, you know, I, I go to the come back home, and I, first of all, while I was out there, I was out there for another week on vacation, so. I'd put, you know, burn creams and stuff on it and wrap it up just to keep the infection down. Um, got back home, and I have to go to, they finally, uh, didn't take them too long to put me in the wound center. And when I did that, um, it took them nine months to uh, to get them healed. 
You know, so you, yeah. you just, you know, you just do things and you don't realize when you, you know, that you're you're harming yourself. You, you just don't feel it. And my wife explains somebody that hasn't got it. My wife gets after me. I come out of the shower pink. What <laughs> <laughs> feels good to me. Uh, I should know better, though. You know, I, I'm steaming up the whole bathroom. <laughs> But that's that's one thing I can't do. I can't tell the water temperature. I can't. I don't need to be around the stove. I can't sense heat. I can walk across our carpeted floor onto a tile floor, and I can't tell any difference in texture, and I can't tell any difference in temperature. Uh, you just got to watch it. You got to be careful. Uh, But first of all, you got to realize you got a problem, and that takes a while. Yeah, you know something's wrong, but you don't really got your you know, hard to put your finger on. What is, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, drawing blood don't hurt anymore. Uh, my diabetic shots don't hurt anymore. Uh and, you know, that's a, that's a warning signal that the good Lord gave us, uh, pain. And when you don't feel it anymore to give you a warning, you've you really got to watch it. That's for sure, yeah. That is for sure. Well, Gerald, what do you think about my five-ton? Well, I tell you what, James, I'd like to have one myself. I keep looking at them them things for sale on there and swear up and down I ever get the money, I'd like to get me one. Uh, well, I hope I'd like a deuce and a half or a five ton. Uh I hope my hook my trailer up and Loaded uh, my M151A1 Jeep on the trailer and yeah. went up to Winchester to raise a van in it. Uh, that's 100 and, about a, what, Ray, 112, 15 miles one way? Yeah, yeah, at least. And Probably closer to horn, Horns blowing and people waving and saluting, and, and it's just oh. a lot of fun to drive it. Oh, I bet it is. You know, and them five tons, they're nearly unstoppable. Uh, oh, yeah. They'll go, they'll go anywhere. Uh, uh, yeah, that's... Shoot, when he parked that thing, he took up half a city block. Uh, I bet he did, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't turn it around in that length. Yeah, I tell you, you need a 40-acre farm turning around. Did you hear that horn when I left yesterday, Ray? I I did, and Pam just started dying laughing. James, as he pulled out away from from where we were having the seminar, he just sat down on that horn, and, I mean, it echoed between those buildings. It was probably (laughs) We were downtown, and it's got tuned air horns on it. I was going to blow them before I passed you. But I didn't have, I hadn't built up enough air pressure yet. <laughs> I figured that's what it was, so you had to wait till you went around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't blow it till it went around the corner. I think when I come by you, I was uh, about ninety-five pounds. 
And after I turned the corner, I got up about 110 pounds in my horn or work. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I bet got, that was uh, fun. But we I've had, got four we had a cameras. Good time. Yeah, I got four cameras on that thing. One looking backwards, one looking forward, and one on each front fender looking backwards that come on when I turn my turn signals on, changing lanes. Uh, I can keep a dial on that Jeep and the tie downs and uh, in fact, I'm thinking about adding a fifth camera. I can see what's behind me if I've got the Jeep on the trailer. I can see under the Jeep, uh, just above the trailer, and tell if there's a car behind me. But I think I'm going to mount one more up on top of the bows. Uh, and they all record. So if somebody pulls out in front of you and says the light was red, you've got it on camera. Well, that's good. Because this the day and age, I'm telling you. Now, what's, you need what's fun is when you, you get need. back home and you go out there and get that desk out of that camera and you put it in the computer and look at the people's faces that come and look at that truck while you wasn't around. <laughs> I bet that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised. Uh how people comment on it, and, and you know, every everybody's got a feel of it. Hmm. I think I'd put me a jar up there and charge to do that, Jane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if he'd he had a letter to get in it and charge people for a ride, he could have made some money down here the other day, <laughs> I think. I bet he did. It'll, uh, yeah. It'll worry in your pocketbook putting diesel fuel in it. I bet. <laughs> it's five miles from yeah, town without the trailer. Pulling the I trailer, I'm down with back. that Jeep on there. I'm I'm about three miles to the gallon. Woo! I can't wait to see you back that boat down the ramp of that thing. <laughs> oh, I, you know, with those, with those cameras, that ain't no problem. I back that trailer all the time. Oh, He does. <laughs> He, he, I tell you what, he pulled up, pulled a little forward the other day, and he backed that thing in, and he had those tires on both both uh, tires within six inches of that curb when he parked it. I'm forty eight feet long. It's pretty long. The truck weighs twenty. Truck weighs twenty six thousand, and the trailer weighs fifty six hundred. And then about another two thousand for the Jeep. Yeah. So we're we're going down the road with a with a weight of a tractor and trailer. Um and I can cruise at sixty five. Wow. And it's even got the, the run flat uh disc in the wheels. You yeah. wouldn't think with those in there you could run that fast, but it'll you can do sixty five. What engine you got? Uh two hundred and fifty horsepower Cummins. Cummins two fifty? Two fifty in an Allison. No. Yeah. It it's it's thirty years old. Um thirty years old. Yeah, it's That's an one of the old two diesels. Got six thousand miles on it. Mm. Six thousand miles on it. 
That, that thing ain't even broke in yet. Well, it was overhauled in 94. It was completely disassembled. The differential's gone through. Transmission, engine overhauled, put back together and painted. New tires put on it in 94. Good grief. With 6,000 miles on it. Yeah, and put it back on the ready line. Every, every, every 90 days, she got her oil changed and all fluids checked, and they had to drive it so far. And, uh, they have to maintain that ready line, and that's where this truck came from, right off that ready line. So if you got a good investment there, I think. Well, it's a free phrase. It is just an honor to to own the thing. I'm in the process now of running my bulldozer and my excavator and dump truck and and digging out a big enough place to build a hundred by hundred foot building to keep all that stuff in. Uh, my wife said, "What am I going to do with it when you're gone?" I said, "Just don't sell it to a lawyer." <laughs> well, I told her that's the first person yeah. she'll sell it to. That no. way they get back in those woods and take all that wood out and really do a good job, make some money. There are a lot of them <laughs> in the woods working. Yeah, there is. You could sure jump and yeah. take a stump out with one of them. Well, you ain't probably jerk a tree down with it, too, if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, you could hook the winch to it and just pull the tree over. Of course. <laughs> I'd like to have it, and I'd take the bed off of it, and I'd put me a RV back on it, make me a RV go anywhere. Well, now they they sell one that's a box truck. It's the same same truck, except it's got the box on the back of it. They even make one that's got an extendable box. And they make, uh, what do they call them, these guys get ready for the Third World War and all of that? Oh, they perfect. buy them and, and gun them and... and Put everything they need in them, a toilet and a bed, and a stock of food and water, and they're ready That's to take nice. off. I don't know where they're going to take off to. I don't know how far one of them North Korean rockets will make it. I don't know. Them Diesel Brothers had one that took the bed off of it. Took a, uh, I think it was a Coachman 25, 30-foot camper, put it on the back, turned the camper around, put it up on the well to the frame. Put a set of steps on it, covered it up. Looks like pretty nice. They sold that thing for a minute, though. Well, now what a lot of them are doing are taking these five tons and cutting the frames off and doing away with the very rear axle. Then they're taking the beds yeah. off of them and they're buying the trailers and taking the trailer bed and put on the back of it. Uh, looks like yeah. a short bed pickup. <laughs> yeah. They call it bobbing them. They bobbed it. To me, they were doing that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be chopping them up. <laughs> what are we gonna do about Korea? Uh, well, they're going to wait. Looks like Korea does something stupid. But you know, uh, I would like to see Trump tell North Korea if you fire one more rocket off. We're going to shoot it down. It's going to fall on you. And then we're going to put that little Korean on the same list that Osama bin Laden was on. 
Yeah. Have a nickel card whenever one of them with his picture. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't do that even without shooting a rocket down that they'll put him on that list. And uh and right. China they better not interfere. Well, they need to build a set of uh gallows over there at the at the border between North and South Korea, build a big set of gallows and put his name on it with a rope. Yeah. Well, now, if you had one five-ton on one side of that line and another five-ton on the other one, is stretching considered torture? Wouldn't last that long. Nope. Well, maybe if you do it real fast. You'd have to do it real slow, James. Well, they couldn't couldn't call it torture and say, hell, he just fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) You know what would be my luck? When I got about him half pulled in two, I'd run out of fuel. Yeah, <laughs> there we'd be. There we'd be. Oh, what a mess. Yeah. Ain't no telling how hard it is to get fuel, yeah. Yeah. I'm put him in a bird suit, put a bungee cord to him, and have a plane fly over, snatch him off the ground, and then bring him back here and try it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's got their ideas what to do with that little. I ain't going to say what I need to say, but uh, <laughs> I ain't never heard anybody with any good plan for him. I got him one. Put a tomahawk up his rectum. <laughs> <laughs> Which in first? You remember, there was a movie out several years ago, and, and it was about the the kind of the big bomb, and... Uh, they were supposed to drop this big bomb over Russia, and the guy that was back in the back of the plane was a, was a Texas cowboy, and he had his half of his uniform on wearing his Texas hat, and and the bomb wouldn't release. It was on the the doors, bomb doors were open, but they couldn't get it to drop out, and so they said, "How can you get it to drop out?" The guy says, "Well, you got to pull the manual pin." He says, "Well, how you do that?" So, "Well, you got to climb on it and pull the pin." He said, then you got to write it down? He said, yeah. So the next shot, while they're trying to get over and everything, shows this guy straddled this bomb, and it's falling down. He's got his cowboy hat off and waving it in the air, so, you know, and, and just like he was riding a bonking bull, and he just went down with it, you know, and that's what we ought to do to him, just tie him to a rocket and let him do a launch and just let him ride the rocket home. That was Slim Pickens. That's right. Uh, that's right. It's yeah, I've, I've seen that movie well, several times, and I always that guy was one good actor. I always thought. I always liked him. But yeah, I've seen that. That's <laughs> You know, Bill Robinson of POW was talking about the chopper. He was in a rescue unit, and that's what he was shot down in a, a chopper. Said they did, they needed more fuel. They couldn't hold enough fuel to to make it to the rescue point. So they loaded two fifty five gallon drums of fuel on there. And he said when they started got low on fuel, could hold it. They pumped the fuel into the tank, and then he said he opened back, kicked them out the back, kicked the hit the drums out the back. So said he got credit for two bomb dropping two bombs on North Korea. <laughs> 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 Empty fifty-five gallon drums. 
Which that wouldn't look good if it hit you, I guess. <laughs> I guess not. That'd give him, that'd give him a headache anyway to hit him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, all, all, I don't know if James has had a chance to even start it yet, but, but he has a book out called The Longest Rescue. And uh, Pam started reading it yesterday, and I don't think she's put it down yet. And it's uh, it goes into more detail than what he what he can give you in an hour speech. But um, and it also talks about other guys that were served with him, um, and, and some pretty good stories. So if if any of you would like to really get that as close to being firsthand look as you could, uh, you know, from what I found so far in reading, and I'm only a few pages in it. But uh, you might want to pick that book up and read it. It's a pretty good little old book. Have you started it yet, James? It's 250 pages long, and I'm on page 42. Okay, so you're about as far as I am. Okay. Uh, and you know this guy reading reading about him, he had a, he, he had a handicapped sort of life in his lifestyle. Oh. Uh, while he was growing up, he and his daddy never got along or ended up being raised by his grandparents or, you know, just all kind of things. His mama died early and uh, all kind of problems while he was growing up, and that's the reason he joined the Air Force, to get away from it. Uh, and he was in the Air Force two years before he was captured. Hmm. Did and we have his, another caller in here? Uh, 
there's a couple of times, there's a few times when I wanted to give up, and James, in no uncertain terms, would not let me do it. He, he, in a, he had a kind way, but a not so kind way of telling me he had too much investment, and I wasn't going to give up. That's the truth. When I help somebody, I tell them I want two things. You don't lie to me, and you don't quit on me. That's right. Uh, Myers, Myers hung in there. Uh, he was tenacious, and that's what you've got to be. He knew what happened. He knew when it happened. He knew he knew where it happened. Uh, I let Myers talk when he was telling me about his experience at Fort Gordon. I knew exactly where Agent Orange was used. But I didn't tell Myers. I let Myers get around to telling me where he was exposed. And it was at the Vietnam Village. Uh, same thing as Tigerland. Uh, when he told me that, I knew he was for real. And to beat it, Myers wasn't a veteran. They wouldn't see They wouldn't let him have any benefits. They wouldn't see him at the hospital. He was a reserve officer. But he became a veteran the minute he won his claim because he was injured while training for duty. So he gained veteran status, and he gained his disability at the same time. Myers is a courageous person. Forward retiree. Yeah, I appreciate everything you did, James. Thank you very much. That's just the way we do it, Myers. Yes, sir. If if we help one veteran out there, it's been worth every ounce of work and, and everything that we put into it. If we help him, it's worth it. it you just got to know the feeling when you get one more veteran pulled across that ditch. Uh-huh. Uh, my wife called me one day and said, Richard just won 80%. I've been helping Richard for two years. I was coming around the Ashton City Bypass, and I pulled over on the side of the road and got out and danced on the yellow line. <laughs> uh, you'd have thought I was crazy if you'd have seen me. <laughs> well, I was out of town the night that my, or the day that my paperwork came in from uh, Washington, and my wife called and told me, said, you've got a brown envelope from Washington. And she said, can I open it? And I told her, no, that I would open it myself. And when I got home, it took me about an hour to get up enough nerve to open that package. It, I wanted to open it, yet I was afraid to open it. Because I knew it was a 50-50. I'll tell you something else. I understand that. I'll tell you something else. Myers has a claim in for his son, and I have a claim in for my daughter. She almost died of a rare blood disease, and the doctors told her she had a better chance of winning the lottery than to getting that disease. So we filed an intent. She's got three doctor's letters supporting her uh, that is more than likely caused by my exposure. 
And uh, I know they're going to turn it down, but before President Obama left office, he did sign the the uh, paperwork to get the studies done. So if if they ever do uh, accept those conditions for our children, then they'll have to pay her back to the date that she filed her claim. Yeah, Mark, did you say your son very filed? meaningful. Pardon? Didn't you tell me your son filed? Uh, he's uh, he was born with a hearing defect and uh, a heart defect. He had to have surgery on his heart when he was seven years old. He had an artery coming out of the heart that was too small, and they had to go in and put a patch on it. And to see him today, you would not know that anything ever happened to him. He's about 6'4 and 200-something pounds. Yeah. But still, Let me ask you this, Myers. How many times did you hear you're not going to win that claim? And when did you serve in Vietnam, Mr. Myers? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times. And I even had, uh, I had two different organizations that literally turned their back on me and told me I was not going to win my case. And luckily I had James back in my corner, and I had another uh, service officer from uh, Tennessee that was helping me. And with both of them, we won the case. But it was that's it, pretty. That's that's pretty good for having no chance at all. Oh yes, and that's what I tell people: you can win it, but you've got to you've got to fight for it. And if you don't have that, I call it guts. From day one, that you're gonna stay with it. And you're going to, regardless of what happened, I I hate to say this about myself, but I'll be honest with you. I've knocked holes in the wall. I've thrown papers completely across the room. I've thrown stuff everywhere. I've stomped out of my house and been gone for three or four hours and have to come back and clean up the mess I made. But I, I stayed with it, and thankfully I won well, you know, Mars, you just had to have been there to understand. And you're talking yes, to two others now that have been there. And Gerald's in the middle of it now. Gerald was a, a Project 112 Shad veteran, and he's still fighting. Instead of instead of looking at the facts. And going by the facts of the case and saying, you were there, you were exposed, you are eligible for the benefits, it's, we are not going to give you anything and we will fight you every way of every step of the way. That's right. That's right. Well, you know. I found out that's what the regional office personnel were laughing about at the water cooler. Uh, 
this game warden down at Fort Gordon, Georgia, claimed that he got exposed to Agent Orange while he was hunting and fishing. <laughs> so I put him in the. You should remember when all this was going on, Myers. I put him on the TV. I put them in a newspaper. Uh, it was mad. Well, I liked when you went to the Veterans Parade and painted yourself in your Jeep orange and drove down the parade with Agent Orange all over the place. Oh, let me tell you. I was in the back of my brother's fire engine, and I told my brother, I said, when you get even with that judge's stand, I want you to stop this fire engine. Don't you move another foot till I give you the signal. <laughs> when I was dressed up, uh, people said I looked like the Grand Wizard, but I was totally orange. Everything I had on was, I raised my arms, and under my arms it said, get orange. <laughs> so I pulled up in front of the of the judge's and I stood up a great big mailbox, and my daughter was with me in full combat gear. And she was, a disabled veteran was written on the side of the mailbox. She opened the mailbox and pulled out a big brown envelope, and she got a really, really disappointed look on her face. And she looked at me and threw that envelope at me, and I picked up an orange baseball bat and started beating her over the helmet with it. <laughs> then I reached in the mailbox and I pulled out another uh, brown envelope and said bonus. And I opened up the envelope and pulled out play money and pitched it up in the air. <laughs> and then I told my brother drive on. <laughs> they withheld my back pay for six months for doing that. <laughs> well, if there's what I. I'd like to say, James, to any veteran that's out there, don't give up on your claim. Fight for it. You, you deserve it. And fight for it. If there's any way that I can help you or James or Ray can help you, we will do it. Well, there's there's five cases already been won in the continental United States now. Uh, the other two, uh, Billy Polston, one at Fort Chaffee, he was a game warden. He modeled his case after mine. Uh, and then there was an Air Force officer at Eglin Air Force Base. Um, he needed some evidence that it was used at Eglin, and I sent him a, a bill of lading where they sent 25,000 gallons to, uh, no, 250,000 gallons to Eglin and then I sent him another another one where they sent 25,000 more gallons to Eglin uh, and these were bill of laden had the price and, and, and who shipped it and, and but he won his case down there so and I'm expected number six but the, the veteran number six is he's bed fast he's got Parkinson's I don't know whether he'll survive. We were up for a BVA decision, and the judge held in his case retired. So now he's got to have another hearing, and his wife's going to stand in and do that for him. Uh, and I'm hoping we'll hear something soon because this guy, this guy's just not got long. But anyway, if we can win that one, that'll be six. I'm tickled to death with five. Uh, 
nobody ever knew if you could win one of those cases or what it would take, what kind of evidence. Uh, and the DOD said we never, ever used Agent Orange inside the continental United States, and that's what I was up against. Well, when when I won my case, that's exactly what they said. We never used Agent Orange at Fort McKellum, Alabama, or anywhere else in Alabama. However, if we did, it would have been around training facilities, golf courses, and railroad tracks. Well, the judge then came back, and I told him that I was around a training center, Little Tiger Land, explained how they how and why they were using it. Now I got exposed to it. And the judge came back, and he says, with the DA, with the uh, Department of Defense admitting that they used it around railroad tracks and training centers, that is the exact place that the veteran said he was exposed. Therefore, we have no choice but to grant him his Agent Orange exposure, and there'll be no further discussion. Uh, good deal. I, didn't I hate to say this, but we are totally out of time. Um uh, <laughs> I apologize. You know, uh, let's schedule another show. Maybe all three of you can get back on. Uh, This is uh, good information. Uh, People need to hear this and uh, uh, what all's involved and and, uh, and to find out that sometimes uh, there is uh, satisfaction at the end of this battle, and you do come out a winner. So I appreciate you all coming on, and we'll schedule another show, by golly, and not to... Uh, yeah, you can, you can get with Myers and get his contact information to let him know when the show's going to be, if Myers wants to attend. Uh, uh, Myers, I do. Thank you, thank you sir. And uh, we'll... We'll have you all three on. Yeah, if he wants to come on, more than welcome. Uh, this is good oh. information, and, and uh, you know, this gives uh, veterans out there some encouragement and 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 uh, uh, grit your teeth and march on. So this will be Gerald Cook with Jay Basser. We'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hattit.com Blog Talk Radio Show. Sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and enough the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bachelor Show.